They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. Revving up your engine, listen to her howling roar. Roar, roar, roar. Metal under tension, begging you to touch and go. And go, and go, and go. Highway to the danger zone. zone. Ride into the danger zone. Zone, zone. I don't know where the accent came from. All of a sudden, I wanted it to be uh, British. <laughs> I thought it was... Danger zone! I-, I was going for what we do in the shadows. It was very vampiric. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock. You know what it is. It's the podcast about exchanging a couple of pieces of life-changing advice that we squeeze into about half an hour. So. Yeah, and obviously, this podcast is an awesome way to get some free weekly leadership nuggets, we mm, like to say. But yeah. listen, if you want a fully customized experience... Yep. You would actually dig a certified rock star. And I don't know if you know what that is. I know you mm-hmm. do, Brant, but I maybe do. the audience might not. Yeah. This is really our edutaining culture and leadership training program. Mm-hmm. And we do this uh, either in a half day, a full day, or a multi-day mastermind version. We even have an awesome interactive virtual session If this is something you're interested in, you got to go and check it out at certifiedrockstar.com. How do you think we pay for this thing to happen? It's for people like you who say, come in and give us some leadership nuggets for our whole organization. Exactly. And and you know what's cool about Certified Rockstar? It actually happens to be the sponsor for what we're going to talk about uh, right now, which is your awesome book, Black Sheep. Tell us about that. We're finally at the point where I'm going to annoy everyone about buying this new book that comes out black sheep unleash the extraordinary inspiring undiscovered you which comes out september 29th uh my publisher page two an amazing team out of vancouver also working with jim for his next book we are incredibly uh proud of that partnership with them and um it's available for pre-order everywhere right now. So wherever you buy books, if it's Amazon, go to Amazon. If it's Barnes & Noble, you can go there. If it's Books a Million, you can go there. If it's Joe's Book Shack, you can go there as well. It doesn't really matter. You want the uh, ebook available. You want the hardbound available. The the uh, audio book isn't going to happen until January. So don't wait for that. You're going to be wait. It's like it's like waiting for Game of Thrones to end <laughs> exactly. before you actually begin. So we don't want to do that. No, but. and if you're listening and it's 2022, you could probably pick up a used copy <laughs> also at Amazon. So <laughs> yes. you can get a copy no matter what is basically yeah. what you're saying. Listen, buddy. the book is all about defining your black sheep values. Those those things that are non-negotiables. They can't yep. be changed or or uh, twisted or influenced in any way, just like a black sheep's wool. This book is going to help you define those things and start to live your life on purpose. And uh, I would be incredibly grateful if you would at least go check that out and tell your friends and 
maybe buy them a few hundred copies. Yeah, I've read it. I've got an advanced copy, and it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Listen, as always, if you like the show, do us a favor. It would really help us out if you just take a second to give us a five-star rating and a review. That would mean a lot to us, and it really helps grow the show. And we do that for a very specific reason. We do it for our partners at Cannonball Kids Cancer. Um, You know that the work we do here goes to support their efforts and their fight for finding treatment options for kids who've run out of options. They are amazing. Please go check them out at cannonballkidscancer.org. They are amazing. And listen, we know how busy you are. We get it. Life is coming at you at about 100 miles an hour and trying to grab those moments where you can just you know amp up your life a little bit we totally get it they're hard to come by which is why it doesn't really even matter what you're doing right now you're probably listening to the show but you could also i don't know be eating nachos from a mini baseball helmet maybe you're running in a marathon (laughs) this sucks maybe you're wiping down propeller blades on a huey (laughs) doesn't really matter to us we just want to be the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to all week let's do this let's rock Our special guest today is Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Khalith Wright, who is the highest enlisted officer in the U.S. Air Force. Chief Wright, first off, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Yeah, thanks, Jim. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be able to talk to you uh, once again, and um, I'm excited about today. Yeah, us too. Yeah, Brant, just to be transparent, uh, I met Chief Wright at uh, Joint Base Andrews when I was doing one of my speaking engagements up there and was lucky enough to be on his podcast, The New Normal, and just uh, I really admire him and, and his wife, Tanya. So, yeah, it is, uh, it's a second or third time that we've had a chance to have yeah, a conversation. Awesome. That's awesome. And obviously, we're going to have uh, Chief Wright's full bio in the show notes. But just a, a few things I really wanted to highlight out. First off, he's been in the Air Force for 31 years, Ooh. you know, enlisted in uh, 1989, starting out in the medical and dental field. You know, he was deployed, Brant, in support of a lot of operations that you've heard of, Desert Shield, Desert Storm, Enduring Freedom. and. Wow. Just has, has traveled the world. He's completed overseas tours in Korea and Japan and Germany. He was actually the command chief master sergeant of the Air Forces in Europe and Africa. Wow. And those are headquartered over in Ramstein. And, and chief, you may not know this, but I was lucky enough this last week just to participate in a Zoom call with the medical group over there because of Command Chief Amy Riley's last uh, communication. I know that you ah. know her before she's moving back over to the States. Yeah. So they uh, they really propped you up. They love not only the, the role that you play and who you are, but, you know, com- coming from the medical, the, the dental group, they were all like, woo, we love that guy. It was so cool. <laughs> um, obviously, Chief Wright now works out of the Pentagon, and he provides direction for the 410,000 enlisted members in the Air Force and I think really represents their interests to the American public and, and those at all levels of the government and He's the personal advisor to the chief of staff and the secretary of the Air Force, really on all things when when it comes to the airmen, which, Brian, I don't know if you know this, but they use the word airmen uh, as sort of the singular word for men and women. So just want to clear that up. When you hear me say airmen, I'm not thinking just uh, just men. But, man, I could go on and on about Chief Wright. He's just got too many awards and decorations and achievements to name here. But, again, we're just so thrilled that uh, you've been able to carve out a little bit of time for us today. I know our audience is excited to hear from you. And, you know, we sort of talked about this where we don't do the traditional uh, interview style. You know, we uh, we try and change it up a little bit. We're just looking for an awesome piece of advice. So I'm going to leave the floor open to you, Chief. What is your thought that rocks? 
Yeah, so thanks thanks for the intro. Um and uh, you know, I'll just jump right into it. The 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 I guess the best piece of advice that's ever been given to me, uh, that I listen to anyway, right? I you <laughs> I typically get a lot of great advice that sometimes I don't listen to, but um you know, I had a, a mentor of mine once tell me, um, never forget where you came from and and follow that up would always be true to your yourself. And and what really what it speaks to is um, especially as a leader, sometimes we have a tendency to get in a senior level position and forget how how uh, it feels to struggle as a young person. And in our case, as a young service member mm-hmm. and forget what it feels like to not have a voice, uh, to not be heard, uh, to feel like you're not seen. And so I've, I've always, uh, you know, taken that advice to heart and I try to make sure, you know, just even little simple things like when I'm around, when I go into an organization, I speak to everybody, the youngest, the oldest, I don't spend all my time with the the senior folks, but I find the youngest uh, folks who perhaps think that, um, I wouldn't notice them, um, <laughs> to include like the wait staff or janitors or, or whoever might be working. So I, I just think it's important to not let your head get too big, um, as you progress in life. And, and also when it, when it comes to, you know, how we, uh, discipline airmen sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you a great example. You know, I started <clears throat> drinking beer and stuff when I was about 14 years old and, <laughs> So now I joined the military at 18 or, or so, and 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 we got this thing, you know, underage drinking and and whatnot, and 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 I and certainly I know that's that's the law, um, but when when airmen um, are presented uh, to my to my boss for you know stuff like underage drinking and stuff like that, uh, I try not to hit them too hard, right? You know, you have to pay the price uh, yeah. like everybody else, but but I'm like, hey man, uh, I know that's just part of being a young. Uh, a young guy or girl. And, and so we're going to, we might thump you across the head a little bit, but we're going to make sure that you can still, uh, you know, survive and have a career. Mm. I, I love that. It it sort of reminds me too, you bring up a great point. When I, when I was working at hard rock, uh, you know, I start off as a host. It was just a kid seating tables. So sort of in the same mindset, maybe not drinking at 14, but as a young kid, when you're seating people where they're the, the only way they make money is off of tips, really that's, you know, servers and bartenders. And I remember doing that for about two and a half years. And eventually when I got promoted, I sort of jumped all that. I never wanted to be a tipped employee. And all of a sudden now I'm a manager and I have to lead people that I was just their buddy and just seating their tables, you know, the week before. And I sort of took that same approach. I just said, listen, I, I'm going to, you know, I had to think this cognizantly before I jumped in as a leader to say, I bet you I'm going to find them doing stupid, silly things. I'm not going to write people up. I don't want to be the hard guy. I'm going to almost let everything slide unless it was something major. Let's say they were, I don't know, eating in the side station or chewing gum or they were a little bit late. Like I let things sort of slide, but my language was something like, come on, man, you're going to get me in trouble. Like I was yeah. trying to be still the cool guy, but <laughs> you, you sort of wean yourself at some point where six months in, you can, I don't want to say drop the hammer, but you could certainly be a lot tougher and say, listen, we talked about it before. Now that this sucks, I got to write you up. Like it was a little bit easier for me because when you're internally promoted, I always remembered what that was like. You know, I always wanted to be that boss that I think everybody looked up to that both 
had fun, but also respected. I just, I never wanted to forget what it was like to be a staff member and sort of walk in their shoes. And so, you know, maybe my question is now that you've been doing this for over three decades, how are you able to be true to yourself? Because, you know, I've, I've spent enough time around you that you're so kind and so funny and you're so humble yet. I would guess in the military, you've got to hold others accountable, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, you can, you can hold people accountable. You know, I learned, um, from, from my mentor, how to hold people accountable, kind of similar to what you were just, just saying. Um, uh, you know, when I first came in, I was a bit of a, you know, I would say I was a, a bit of a menace to society, you know, so I was a pretty bad airman. It's, <laughs> and it's actually shocking to a lot of people that I uh, grew up in the air force with that. I actually made it, uh, you know, this, this far, just because I didn't have my, my stuff together when I was an airman, but what my, what my mentor, his name is Joe Wimbush. Uh, what, what he did is, you know, when I would mess up, he would pull me into the office or he didn't, he didn't sometimes invite me over to his house and, uh, he'd sit me down and he'd give me a good stern talking to, you know, he'd push me around a little bit, sometimes put me in a a headlock and all that stuff. (laughs) Uh, but he didn't spend a lot of time on formal, uh, paperwork. Now you could argue, you know, whether that's right, wrong or indifferent, um, but, but I, but it worked for me and, and, it, and it's worked with the folks that I've been fortunate enough to be able to mentor is, you know, sometimes it's just like, Hey man, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I told you to, to get your haircut before you come in here. And as a matter of fact, you know what, let's go. We're going to the barbershop right now, <laughs> but I got to do this. I got to do that. It's like, not my problem. You should have did what I asked you to do. So don't come back up in here until you got a haircut. Um, I mean, I've, I've called parents, um, and all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's, I think just because it was instilled in me and it's, it's part of my, my personality, I never felt compelled to try to be something that, that, that I'm not. And, and I just encourage everybody uh, to be your authentic self. And, and, and you can do that right without, you know, sometimes you have to be a bit of a chameleon. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm a little bit different when I'm around my, my friends drinking scotch and smoking cigars, uh, than I am when I'm in a boardroom or something with the chief and the secretary mm-hmm. of, the, yeah. of the Air Force. But uh, I think you can still maintain your identity and your, you know, uh, authenticity, I guess you would call it. Why did you, you just pick haircut as your yeah. example? Because I feel like you're talking right to me. <laughs> Chief, I got a, I have a question for you. I mean, I, I yeah. look at this and say, you know, so first of all, thank you for your service and, and um, just in, incredible history you've had and decades of serving our country. And so th- that's unbelievable. I look at that and I go, even with your advice of sort of never forget where you came from, um, you know, at least from friends that I, that I have that have served for many years, you know, when you first enlist, you you sort of get broken down before they build you back up. And, and you have to understand that this is sort of, you become family and, and now you have to, to start working together as one and you're, you're sort of of one mindset in that way. Is, does there come a point when you serve that, I mean, you have to get to that point first, but they have to sort of strip you down and go, we don't, we don't care where you came from right now. <laughs> You've got to learn sort of the ways of how we do things. And then once you're comfortable with that, you can start to bring where you came from um, this. So, so who are you individually, you know, but in the mindset of a soldier, I would assume that sometimes this advice maybe goes against when you first enlist. Is that, am I wrong in thinking that? 
Um, not so much, but I, I guess I'll frame it this way. Uh, we do, uh, and all the services to include the Air Force, you know, you come through, we have a basic military training and, and it's designed to, like you said, strip you down of all of your old ways and all this type of stuff. But it's, uh, I would say uh, on average, it's nominally effective, mm-hmm. right? It's six or eight weeks or 10 weeks or whatever the different services are. And and you come out on the other end and you understand a little bit more. I'll just speak for the Air Force. Sure. You understand a little bit more about the Air Force and how to march and how to and what discipline means and a little bit of history and stuff. But the what who you've been for the last 18, 19 or 20 years. <laughs> yeah, man, you can't erase that in eight weeks. Right. <laughs> so. So and some people, um, you know, they fully accept what what it means to be an airman and and how to be disciplined and they and they give it their all. And then some, you know, I was a good example who rejected most of that stuff. Mm. And I decided, hey, man, you know, all my life I've been doing this and I thought this way and, and whatever. And and the Air Force is now trying to tell me to be this. And and some of it I was fighting, you know, consciously and maybe some of it I was just subconsciously. You know, hey, I like to hang out and party. I don't like to wake up and get to work on time. You know, that's, you know, I've never had to do that. So why why am I starting now? Mm. Um, and and so really, the most important part is not not the, uh, you know, when you go through BMT and that that stripping down, but it's really when you get to your first duty station and that first supervisor, the first person that's, you know, I, I imagine that, uh, you know. Uh, Jim at at Hard Rock, maybe you send folks, you know, to some type of orientation. But probably what really matters is is when they get to their first uh, restaurant and whoever that person is who's responsible for their day to day stuff probably has a larger impact on them than than the training that they went through. You got it. uh, So so that's kind of how it is in the in the military is, you know, you can I think you get uh, made or broken with that very first person that's in charge of your life. Uh, once you start working and uh, operating in the in the service, yeah, and you and you said it best. I mean, you, you can get a lot of those fundamentals, but again, when you get to be a, a young adult, you are the way you are because everything is learned behavior, and so you do what you can in these sort of corporate universities, which I was lucky enough to run. You know, I started and, and ran that stuff. But then you're right. All roads lead, at least in the restaurant and the hotel world, they all lead through the general manager. So you can only imagine what any base, command, wing, you know, whatever group it is, whoever is the person, the girl, the guy, you know, if if they want to do things a certain way, that's what people are going to follow. Probably more than any other order that's coming down or whatever they got, like you said, in, in uh, basic training. But, but I do think, um, and maybe this goes to bring it your question too, I think about you chief right and you know also um, brigadier general sonkis who you know is not anymore at andrews but when she was there i think about the voices that that you have because i think this this mindset of being kind to people um, loving on people like i would not think that those were words that you would hear in the military and i was really shocked my very first time going up there to dc and that was very prevalent. Like it was, I don't want to say a, a different type of a military, but it just seems like you in particular have been able to impact and influence so many people to think differently, perhaps about where they spend the majority of their time. Their career isn't just, you know, you got to do this or else it's, Hey, we love you. And we care about you as a person, what's going on in your life. And people go, wow. And they want to 
spend more time and doing a better job for you and re-enlisting or whatever it is. Do you find that that, that language not only has served you, but has served perhaps the entire force? Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, this is relatively new, right. In, the in, the in the military period, mm-hmm. uh, there was probably a time really not too long ago when, when words like love and caring for your airmen and all that type of stuff, probably, uh, you know, weren't that acceptable, uh, from, from most leaders. But I think as, as we've, uh, progressed and evolved and, and we've come to understand that, uh, you know, dropping bombs and, and killing people in military operations, uh, for military people, that stuff is relatively easy, uh, dealing with people and people problems <laughs> and all of the stuff that they bring, yeah. man, that's hard work. Right. And, uh, you know, we have this, uh, never ending argument at organizations all across the Air Force, uh, what comes first, the mission or the people? And it's probably 50-50. Some people say, hey, man, you join the Air Force for a reason. It's all about you get the mission done and and and, and people, you know, you get paid twice a month to get the mission done and, and I don't have time to deal with all your problems. And then there's other people that say, you know, hey, you take care of the mission. I mean, you take care of the people, they will take care of the mission. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's hard to say what's what's right or what's wrong. But uh, in my mind, I think it's more effective uh, to and, and part of uh, taking care of the people is making sure that they're trained, that they have the right equipment, the right resources. Part of taking care of people is putting them in the headlock when they mess up and hold them on a, uh, accountable. Yeah. And uh, love is 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 not all, you know, cookies and cream. Uh, you know, I love a lot of airmen and I got a lot of young people that I mentor that I love that I'm real tough on. Um, so it's, it, it's just, I guess, a matter of, of how you see it, but I, but I, I, I think it's, it's, it's really important, man, to, to have a focus, especially today. Right. So we got this increased number of suicides. Yeah. We got so many folks in the military that are suffering from, um, uh, invisible wounds, PTSD and, mm-hmm. and all these other things. And, and, uh, so compassion, I think has to be a part of the, the leadership process. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that it's, it's sort of a a military mindset 2.0 of, of having to understand that, you know, we don't, one of the things that we talk about all the time, chief, is that, you know, we, as much as we want to control an outcome, we don't control outcomes. We can only control the deliberate intention that goes into making our decisions. And, and that is really tough to, to focus on. And, and especially if you are someone who is sort of solution focused or, or driven by results, um, it makes it really, really tough to switch into that different mindset. But it, it sort of brings us to our thought for, for this week that we wanted to share with you. And I think it really leads into what you were talking about here of this, idea, this idea of never forgetting where you come from, um, and being true to yourself. Uh, you know, our thought this week is an adaptation from a Max Lucado quote. And, uh, it's this, it's Thoughts that rock number two. No one can fill you with anything if you're already full of yourself. And I, I would guess that, you know, in, in my brain, how I picture people who, who enlist, um, you, you sort of fall into a couple of different categories. You have the people who, uh, they come, well, they come from maybe a military family and they're, they're used to the culture and they, they really, this is in their blood. They want to serve, right. Mm -hmm. You have others on the opposite end 
that are these wild stallions <laughs> and somebody is sending them to break them. <laughs> and they, they want to make sure that, that this is what they need some structure. They need some discipline. They need to learn integrity and respect. And it's, you sort of have that on the other end. And I would imagine you have probably experienced a few of these. I, I can't, I can't fill you with anything because you're incredibly full of yourself already. How have you, um, when you have encountered that, Chief, how have you dealt with that uh, in your in your career? Yeah, it all depends. There was a there was a time. I, I there's a young man, and he's a uh, you know he's progressed well now. I won't mention his name, but uh, some years ago, he 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 came to me and said, "Hey, um, K. Wright, I." I you know, I see what you're doing. I love for you to be my mentor and, and whatnot. I said, yep, man, got it. No problem. And uh, so he comes, he would come to my office on a pretty regular basis. And he'd ask me questions. Hey, what I'm going through this, what should I do about this? And, and as soon as I'd start explaining to him or asking questions, he said, no, 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 no. I already did that. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't understand. You know, that won't work because of. Uh, so at the time I said, hey, man, how about this? How about you stop coming to my office and asking me questions? Because it seems to me that you have all the answers. <laughs> wow. And that was enough to get him to. And this was after, you know, I didn't do that right off the bat. Yeah, but after yeah. three or four sessions, yeah. I think that was enough to, to jar him into realizing that, hey, maybe I should be uh, listening yes. more. Uh, so I guess it really depends on, on who the person is. Sometimes I just point it out to him. It's like, yeah. Hey, you seem to have all the answers. I'm not quite sure uh, if you're actually looking uh, to learn or progress in your career or or make this situation uh, better. Um, and then I, I listen to all their excuses or all the reasons why, you know, they seem to have all the, the the answers and know everything. And then, you know, I get to a point where I just say, OK, we're here. We got a couple of different choices. Um, either you're, you're going to be open and willing to, to listen or, um, you, since you have all the answers, man, why don't you go ahead and figure it out and, and you can let me know how it works. <laughs> it's funny because I, you had shared this journey that you'd gone on over the last uh, couple decades. But when I think of you, and I think when I talk to any airman about you, humility seems to come up quite a bit. And so that fits perfectly with this thought, but also a little bit with yours also always being true to yourself and, one thing, you know, Brant, you're, you know, you talk about not only authenticity when you're on stage, but that is one of your core values. And Chief, obviously, you know, you have to believe like anybody else that being authentic is really critical in the world of speakers. And I think that the audience, the people that you're talking to, they can see right through people that are faking it or winging it or, you know, what, whatever you know, maybe they're putting on a show, but they don't really have any substance. And I guess, you know, I've seen you personally, Chief, speak to, let's say, 200 airmen, new command chiefs. Um, you've delivered virtual messages with uh, the chief of staff. You've conducted interviews with Brene Brown and, and Malcolm Gladwell and, and Colin Powell. You know, how do you consistently stay authentically as humble as you are? And I guess, some of that you maybe have already touched on, but again, when you see these wild stallions, like you said, Brant, how do you sort of instill that humility in them? Is, is humility at 22 years old something that can still be learned, or do you sort of have to shake them like you did with this other person that that you will not name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it probably depends on 
you know, what what you bring to the table in the first 21 years. Mm-hmm. Right. What what your parents may have instilled either instilled in you or what you watched. I think uh, it might have been Brene Brown who, who said something like uh, most things in in life uh, through your parents are taught. And then there are other things that are caught. You, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily teach it to them, but but they just pay attention to you. So so some of it might depend on, you know, your 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 background, your your parenting or the environment you grew up in or, or what have you. Um, but I think it can be taught. I, I, I know quite a few, uh, you know, really young um, airmen who are very, very humble and grateful for, you know, the opportunities that 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 they have. Um, for me, it's just become easier over the years. I can't say that I was always uh, humble. There was probably a time when and when when I was borderline, not borderline, there was probably a time when I was, uh, you know, downright arrogant. Um, and I, I just think over the years of, you know, getting my my, my head busted, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I learned to just uh, appreciate life, appreciate all the people around me. And even, you know, you talked a little bit about uh, the the young people that come to work for, you know, Hard Rock or any other organi- organization. Man, I, I I used to, you know, sometimes if service wasn't bad, was bad or if people weren't smiling and stuff. I used to kind of get all upset about that. And then I realized it's like, hey, man, uh, I remember working in a restaurant and busting tables and washing dishes Um the other option is this person could be out on the street hustling or, you know, being lazy or, or, or doing nothing. So yeah. you should just appreciate that, that people are um, out making an honest dollar. And uh, and it's tough because because people are rude as shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so I always, always try to be nice. I always, always tip more than than, than I should. Uh, cause I love it when I see young people trying to make an honest living and make something of, of themselves to get through college or, um, you know, I, I worked in high school to help my mom pay the bills. And so you just kind of never know what people, you know, have going on. And, and, uh, so yeah, that, that humility, I, I just think it's, it's, it's really important. And, and part of, you know, authenticity is, man, you gotta be comfortable with yourself. If you're not comfortable with who you are, yeah, then it's going to be hard for you. Um, you know, to show that humility and authenticity when you're dealing with uh, folks from a leadership position. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, one of the things that always concerned me with regards to serving, you know, when I when I first came out of high school, I was obsessed with, with baseball was my life. I thought that was going to be what I was going to do for a living. So I was 100% focused on there. And I had a bunch of friends who went into the military and, and served. And, and, you know, my grandfather, both grandfathers served. And so for me, it was something that I was familiar with. And, uh, you know, I, as you said, Chief, I, I like to think that I've always had a healthy swagger, um, which has which has sometimes bit me in the ass. Um, but uh, it is one of those things that I always felt like there wasn't a lot of room <laughs> in the military for healthy swagger. Um, if uh, you know, you you watch movies like Top Gun and you go. Okay, maybe there's some, and then you realize they're the ones who get disciplined all the time, <laughs> and so yeah. you're like, oh, maybe there's not that. But I have to tell you that um, this idea that you are starting to acknowledge um, 
the the individual the the person who's going to bring with them what has made them them and those core values that that they possess and not just try to build robots um yeah is what scared me from from even thinking of joining the military for for years and years and years and and to hear that now it, it just makes me I, I if someone would have said that to me 30 years ago it might have changed my mind it might have made me go well, I can be myself and serve, uh, you know, the country, then, then that would have been something that I think would have made a tremendous difference. So to hear you say that and to know sort of in this quote about, you know, I know that Jim believes that we are always lifelong learners, right. And, and, and him mm -hmm. being the teacher, uh, a former teacher there and, and continues to teach, um, this idea of you have to, you have to have enough room to be filled with something <laughs> worth learning. Right. And so that, that there's a balance, I think that comes with a healthy swagger, but knowing that you don't know it all, that knowing that yeah. you can have that confidence, you want that confidence. I would assume you would want that confidence in a soldier to say that they've got this, that they can do it. There's a, there's a healthy swagger that has to exist to get that performance that you're looking, but at the same time, they can't have all the answers. They've got to leave enough room to be taught and that to me to see you sort of doing that now are you seeing more people because of that behavior are you seeing more people willing to look at the military as opposed to maybe someone in the past who thought that it wasn't a, a path for them um you know i guess uh brent that's probably hard to to say what you know uh because it's sometimes i'm not quite sure uh, how people outside of the military might 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 look at it. Mm -hmm. So I, I think most people probably think just like you did when you were young that, hey, man, you go in the military, you can't be yourself. You got to be this. You got to get your head cut bald and you got to, <laughs> you know, wear these funny looking uniforms and and you can't I can't express myself unless you happen to live in a military town. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might see uh, which is a great recruiting tool, right? You might see um, airmen in uniform sometimes. And then you see him on the weekends with a haircut, like, uh, Jim and, uh, <laughs> earring, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and sleeve tattoos and all that type of stuff. He's like, wow, you can do all that in the military. He's like, yeah, man, you can. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's kind of, uh, uh, hard, I think to, to really figure out how, how most people, uh, if they think the military will allow them, uh, to, to, to be themselves, uh, but I, I just think like, hey, man, it's it's my job as a leader, as a supervisor is to get the most out of to allow every person to become the best version of themselves. Yeah. And 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 sometimes and, and really what that means is, man, I got to pay attention to who you are, where you came from. I got to know your story. I got to know kind of what your interests are um so that i can match you to the right job so that i can deal with you in the right way i have airmen that i when i just when i sit down and say hey you know i think you need to do this better it is it, not effective when i say hey man get your shit together dude yeah. I, well how many times yeah. i have to tell you to, yeah. to do this yeah. it works yes right? yes and then, and then there's other people that i yell and fuss and cuss at and they shut down yeah yeah, yeah. and so 
you know, especially like guys who play football and stuff. So they're used to being, you know, yelled at and fussed at and, you know, that yeah. grimy, gritty kind of kind of thing. Uh, and then there are other folks that they need a much softer approach. And and so I have to know that. And in order to know that, man, I got to spend a little bit of time getting to know who you are, where you came from, what your interests are. You know, why are you why, like, why, why, why are you even here? Right. Hey, man, I'm just here to make a couple of dollars to get me some classes and then I'm getting out because I want to pursue, you know, this. Yeah. OK, I can deal with you in a different way than somebody who says, hey, man, my grandfather, my grandfather's grandfather have served and, yeah. and I want to go 30 years. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think, you know, I almost look at you as having a quiet confidence. Maybe it's a combination of the two. And I think some of the best leaders, the best mentors I've ever had again, have that, that open door of humility, but, and I say this because I haven't been around you when you're cracking skulls. I haven't seen you when you've had to go off on somebody. I'm sure that happens, but you know, Mm -hmm. I even look at your interview style. I look at how you hold yourself and it's just, I don't know, the word humility just keeps coming up, which is why I'm so thankful that we got both of these two quotes in here. But I do believe, you know, Brandt said it best. I think everything is learned behavior. And I think you can always learn something. I think school is never out for the student of life, right? But part of life's journey is also being open-minded enough and humble enough that, you know, just don't assume you know all. You don't have all the answers. And maybe, maybe you might actually have your mind changed. And I think, you know, if more leaders sort of took that approach, um, I, I think we would be in a much different place globally. And and I'll say this too. I mean, I, I know that you are such a great voice for race relations in the Air Force. I've seen you particularly talk uh, about this sometimes with, with General Goldfein, but a lot of times on your own. And whether you're answering online questions from airmen or, or doing something singular as a one direction communication, you know, your your thoughtfulness and your directness, both of those combined are really, really refreshing. And you know, I don't know what you ultimately are going to do with that because I know um, Joanne Bass, you know, she's been selected as the new uh, Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, and that's fantastic. What is what is next for you? I mean, you've got all this great leadership wisdom, and I see you almost evolving into this. There's a time for this voice that you have. W- w- what's next for you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm moving on to to be the CEO of our Air Force Aid Society. It's a nonprofit that kind of supports airmen and their families uh, in times of need. So we provide emergency assistance and, and scholarships and all that type of stuff for, you know, airmen who kind of run into trouble. So that'll be my uh, quote unquote full-time job. I love that. Um, Does everybody know that? uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you were breaking news for us. Breaking news. That would be great. (laughs) Yeah, be the yeah. first so to hear I'm about excited it. That uh, you know, I still get to serve and 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 uh, <clears throat> and and help help out young people because that's mostly who who it impacts. I mean, it it impacts all of us. Everybody goes through financial troubles, and you know, Hurricane Michael last year was a great example mm-hmm. uh, where you know we we contributed uh, you know five or six million dollars to the folks down there that were you know out of out of a home and and lost all their stuff and all that. So so that'd be my full time job, but. But I've also, you know, I got a, um, I've established an, an LLC and I'm going to do some, some leadership coaching and nice. maybe a little bit of speaking here and there. I'll, I'll continue to podcast, uh, in my, in my spare time. And, uh, cause I just love, um, speaking to leaders. I love learning and I love, uh, growing. I love teaching. 
So uh, I'll, I'll continue to do this this type of work um, just in a in a different capacity uh, than than in the Air Force. But, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting. And hopefully man, we can connect and, and, and do some stuff together. Love to. Yeah. You hear that, Brant? He's on the circuit. He's coming uh, for you. I know. He's, <laughs> he's on the speaking circuit. i got to up my game here. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> you, you can't just put on a uniform. It doesn't work like that. Chief, I was phoning it in, but if I was, Jim was my only competition, I wasn't worried about it. But now, oh, geez. <laughs> are you in that new role? Are you, uh, I know that um, uh, General Sankis and, and Chief Pilgrim are going to be over there at the Pentagon. Are you still going to be based there? Or are you working out of uh, some other office? No, no, no. I'll, I'll be, I'm retiring on 14 August. So I'll be totally out of the air force. And, um, uh, the office is in DC though. It's in, it's in crystal city. Okay. Uh, Actually not not too far from the Pentagon, but, uh, I'll have a small staff of about 20 people. And, um, you know, we do, um, like I said, uh, mostly most of the work is, is centered around, um, raising money like any other yeah. nonprofit, right? you know, corporate fundraising to try to try to get money in to, to help all of these, these folks. But that is amazing. Fantastic. That is, that is fantastic. I mean, you don't, you don't need to hear this from me, but I'm just, I'm, I'm proud to know you. I'm proud of you. And like Brant said, just really thankful for your service and the fact that you've been able to impact and influence, not just currently the, you know, the 410,000 strong it's, it's more than that just over your three decades. And, Man, it was just—it's been fun to spend a little bit of time with you, and we can't thank you enough for just you know dropping a few leadership nuggets for for our audience. Is there a place you want us to send people to follow you or stay connected with you for some more of this leadership? Um, yeah, they can look me up uh, on uh, Facebook is probably the easiest uh, place, and that's uh, if you just look up Chief Master of the Air Force, um, um, right on on Facebook or chief master Sergeant air force 18, I think it is, um, you know, they can, they can find most of the, the stuff that we've been doing. Um, and then I'll, I'll maybe send you a couple of links that you can share with your folks for That'd my great. And, and a few other things, but, uh, yeah, man, thank you guys. This has been great. Uh, you know, I always enjoy talking to you. Um, lots of good conversation. Yeah. Appreciate same it. here. Look forward to really following you on your journey. We'll look for those links and, uh, thank you, my friend. We will talk to you soon. Thanks chief. All right. Rock on. Thank you, guys. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we both used to be exclusively represented by Kepler speakers. But now it's just me. Brant is on his own. So to hire Brant, good luck getting a hold of him. For me or both of us, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time. Rock on!